0: We're going to do this as a reading more this morning, and we'll stop start. I mentioned six points in this chapter, and really there's seven. And the six points are these. Salvation of the soul is the first one. Sanctification of the believer is the second one. The resurrection of the dead is the third one. The glorification of the saints is the fourth one. The revelation of the Spirit is the fifth one. Missed this one last week. The, adoptions of the adoption of the Son of God, Sons of God, pardon me, is the sixth one. The adoption of the Sons of God. And the culmination of it all, we looked at it actually last week rather than the first one. It will be the seventh point. Let's read from verse 1, Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Condemned sin in the flesh. First of all, here we have the salvation of the soul. The salvation of the soul. Remember last week, from verse 1, this chapter, it begins with, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So there's no condemnation to the man and woman who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And the idea here is who do not order their life continually like the unsaved. So if you're professing Christ and you're living like the unsaved, you need to get back to the cross because you won't be saved. You cannot claim Christ with your mouth, And live like a devil. And say that you're saved. Notice here there's no condemnation in verse 1. And there's no separation in verse 39. The last verse of the chapter. Nor height. Nor depth. Nor any other creature is able to separate us. From the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This tells us that the love of God is not because of us. Rather, God loves us in spite of us. And the love of God will never leave us. We cannot be separated. So there's no condemnation in verse 1. And in verse 39, the last verse, there's no separation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We notice how this speaks of the flesh, And of the spirit of the war and the battle. Even within the believer. But rather also it speaks of those who are living life. Living according to the world. They are unsaved. In contrast to those who are dominated by the world. To those who are dominated by the spirit of God. They're the sons of God. We're going to look a little in a moment. Notice here salvation. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. When Christ comes into our lives, we are free from the curse of the law. We are free completely from the curse of the law and we are given life, eternal life. Someone sent me a message uh, privately earlier in the week from someone who sent them a message asking, Is it possible that we don't know that we're saved in this life, but that we have to wait until that final day when we stand before God, whether we're saved or not? And so, this it was a woman who had sent this to the person, and the person wanted to know, Are we truly saved now? Have we eternal life now? Or is it something we must wait and see? I heard a pastor one time saying, you'll not know till you get there. Well, I want to tell you this morning that we know in this life that we are saved. Present tense. We have eternal life in Christ Jesus. And that is a gift of God. Life, eternal life, is a free gift of God in this life, And for the next. So don't let anyone say we must wait until we get there. Some people are living by Romish ways. Trying to wonder can they escape some sort of purgatory through prayer or ceremony or ritual. We are saved now by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Saved by grace alone. Through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scripture alone. And we give glory to God alone. Brother, sister, let no one tell you that when you have been in repentance to the cross. And when you have come under by faith the precious shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you have given and surrendered your life to him. Let no one tell you that you must wait to see whether you are saved or not until that day. The assurance of the saints is now that Christ hath come and lives in us and has sealed us with the Holy Spirit of promise unto the day of redemption. Christ has set the captive free. When a man and a woman are saved, born again of the Spirit of and washed in the blood of the Lamb, they are set free now from the curse of the law. And what is the curse of the law? The curse of the law is that the moral law of God, you and I cannot fully, totally, and wholly keep the law of God. The Ten Commandments, really, they're not for our salvation. The law of God cannot save you. There's nothing wrong with the law of God. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul, the psalmist tells us. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. But the law of God cannot save you. But rather the law cannot either defeat sin, but it can only detect our sin. I want to say it again. The law cannot defeat sin. That is by you trying to keep it but rather the law detects our sin. The law is like a mirror that we stand before and it shows us the holiness of God, shows us the moral ethics of the kingdom of God and of his glorious heaven. And we cannot fully, wholeheartedly, 24-7 keep the law of God, but rather we fail. And so Christ came, and we find that in Romans chapter 8. He came to save us from the curse of the law. In other words, you and I, under the law, were cursed because the law shows us the holiness of God and it shows us the depravity of our human nature and hence we live our lives In such a fashion and we order our lives according to that fleshy lust. Christ came and kept the law that we could not keep. He lived the life that we could not live. And he died as our substitute on Calvary's tree. Burying our sin away in his own body on the tree. Believer, this morning we sang it. See from his head, his hands, his feet. Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown. There Christ set us free when we came to the cross in repentance. Notice what it says. He set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. You see the... Sin is the transgression of the law. And you and I were transgressors. And since Adam, our father Adam in the garden transgressed the law of the Lord, there Adam sinned. We sinned. Adam died. We died. But Christ came, and in Christ all are forgiven. All are set free from the curse of the law and all of us, even though we may physically die should Christ tarry, all of us who are in Christ will have the glorious resurrection of the body and we will see that, God willing, in a few moments. First of all, here is our salvation in Christ alone, through the blood of Christ alone. At the cross of Christ alone. He sets the captive free in verse 2. And in verse 3. For what the law could not do. In that it was weak through the flesh. In other words the law was perfect. But our flesh is weak. God sending his own son. Notice here. Notice here the personal tone of the scripture. His own son, his own son. Think about it, parent, your own child, his own son. I wonder what man's frail mentality would think of that when we think that we can earn our way, work our way, try to keep the law to be perfect in the way, when we realize that we fall and fail every time Before the law of God, we are sinners in our nature and in every way that we walk on this earth until the Son of God came to cleanse us in his blood. God sent his own Son. What could you ever have given, Brother, sister, what could we ever have done? To what degree could we ever have worked? What would it that we could do or offer or give to please the Father? Nothing. Why? Because he gave his own son. He recognizes nothing else. He recognizes nothing else but his own son. The work which his own son has done. The blood which flowed from his own son. Salvation is ours in Christ. This should encourage us this morning. Notice God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. In the likeness of. Of sinful flesh. Not in sinful flesh. For Christ was sinless. But in the likeness of sinful flesh. Not in the likeness of flesh alone. For he was God. Not just like a human. But in the likeness of our flesh. He was God. Of very God. Man of very man. 100% deity, 100% humanity. Christ died for us. Notice, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. Notice, condemned sin in the flesh. The condemnation that was mine. Remember verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The condemnation that was mine. Standing guilty before God. Unrighteous in everything that I am. Sinful in all my ways. Transgressed the law. The curse of the law was upon me. Upon you. We were condemned. It says here in verse 3. Christ condemned Sin. Sin in the law was condemning me. But he took that which was condemning me. And condemning you. And he bore himself. All alone. He suffered and died alone in Calvary's cross. And he condemned that which was condemning you and I. You see. In John chapter 3. Verse 14, the Lord Jesus speaking said, For as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up. Speaking of Numbers 21, when the serpent was put on the pole, when the Israelites were poisoned with the asps, the serpents in the wilderness, they were dying. And everyone who looked upon this in faith, this brass serpent... The Lord says they would live, and they were to look and live. And he says, just as Israel were to look look and live, so we are to look and live. But he says the Son of Man would be lifted up. In other words, he would die, and he would be lifted up between heaven and earth, hanging on the tree, hanging on the cross. John 3.14, that is John 3.15, that whosoever believeth in him, Would have eternal life. John 3, 16, we all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Notice present tense. Have now in this life be the possessor of the seeds of eternal life living in us. Now notice. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world. Notice to condemn it. He did not send him to, the, to condemn us. But in that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth in him is not condemned. Romans 8 and 1 Paul tells us that. He who believeth in him is not condemned. But he who believeth not on the Son of God. He who believeth not on him is condemned. Notice present tense, is condemned already. We were under condemnation. The unsaved are under condemnation. The world that we are living in, the Christ haters, and even the religious spirited people who know not Christ, they are condemned already, present tense, and you and I lived like it so is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Christ is telling us, here is the condemnation. That men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. In other words, in the very heart of man, dead toward God, in the very flesh of man, fullness of death in our mortal members, the depravity of our human nature, the inability to save, to rescue ourselves, to reach God in his heaven. So God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin to condemn sin. Christ condemned that which was condemning you. Set us free. And he condemned that which was condemning me. The glorious son of God. The darling of heaven. Notice here. That is our salvation. We want to look quickly at sanctification. Sanctification starts in verse 4, running on down, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Notice, it doesn't say fulfilled by us. That the righteousness of the law, that is keeping the law, every jot and tittle, every punctuation as it were in our English, if you want to put it into it, rather from the Hebrew, every letter from the Alpha to the Omega in the Greek, that he is the word. And he kept the law in its entirety, that it might be fulfilled in us, not by us, because we couldn't. By him in us. That I'm declared righteous before the Father in heaven. That should my breath leave my body. Should my heart stop beating this very moment. And God was to take me when I stand before him. I am righteous in his presence. Because I'm righteous and saved in this life. What a salvation. Now we move into sanctification for this life. That might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The word thereafter is the word kata. It's used many times in the scriptures for our English word according to. Gives the idea of pressing down. Gives the idea of a dominance. Something to dominate. To press something down. And here the Apostle is telling us this, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh that our flesh life. Our old man and our old woman, our old nature, does not dominate me. The old sinful man does not dominate you, brother. Does not have the pressing dominance in your life. For the man and the woman who are saved, they are set free and they are a new creature in Christ. And here we're told that they don't walk after with the dominance of the flesh, but with the dominance of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who lives in us. Dominates our lives, dominates our thinking, dominates our ways, dominates us that we cannot do anything but follow Christ, love the Word of God, want to be together in fellowship, that we think about Him when you're in your workplace, He comes to your mind, that you love Him when you're walking down the street. You think about Him. And when you fall, you cry to Him and want to go on with Him. That the Spirit of God dominates us and sanctifies our lives. Sanctification is not you trying harder. Sanctification is not you having a strong will of your own. Sanctification isn't you trying to do better. Sanctification is a work of grace in the heart. work of grace in the man. And a work of grace in the woman. Who are saved. Sanctification is a setting apart for the Master's use. Brother, how's our lives before God this morning? How's your walk with Him? How's your love life, sister, with Christ? Brother, because if the Spirit of God is living and abiding and residing in us, then surely we must follow on. The chief office of the Holy Ghost is to take of the things of the Son of God and to show them unto us. And when we wrong someone, we right it. Notice, verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, whenever you get into that old cycle of thinking wrong, stinking thinking, your mindset then becomes wrong, and that anger becomes bitter. You don't deal with it. You don't hand it over to God or you're walking wrong after a period of time. You find, like Peter, you're walking far away from Christ until you're standing at the devil's fire, heating your hands and yourself, and then you're sitting with them. And brothers and sisters, we find ourselves, many have found themselves that they have fallen away from God. Listen, you don't backslide overnight. You know what a backslider is when we boil it down to bare bones of it? A man and a woman who once loved Christ and now have fallen out of love with him. Oh, that Christian made me fall away. That pastor made me fall away. Listen, you blame no one but ourselves for our salvation is this. I can't save you. I can't keep you. I can't encourage you. But the walk is personal as the salvation is personal as Christ is the personal saviour. Maybe someone here this morning and you have fallen away from Christ. Your heart has went stony. Cold and you become indifferent to the things of God until you completely resist to rebellion. It brings death to our thinking because we become angry and bitter and the word of God is like it has not effect on on your thinking anymore. But yet this morning if that is you, here the spirit of God has Brought this word to you to call you back to the fold. Notice verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know when you're carrying the weight. As it were of the world as we say. Sometimes it's the weight of the work. It's the weight of stresses of the society we are living in. For me it's the weight of God's work sometimes, God's people sometimes and you start to feel spiritually your legs are buckling you, can, you can't take much more of it and you know sometimes you can not bring it to God in prayer until we come to a full collapse. But how, how wonderful and how beautiful is it when we throw it all off at the cross, when we come to the throne of grace and leave it there and walk away knowing that the sovereign of the universe has it in his hand and that he is still in full control of all things. And when we leave it there, we walk away with life. It's as though life has come into our spirit again. Joy in our hearts. And peace floods our minds. These matters belong with God. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh... Notice, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, Christian, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Paul is laying it straight down the line for us. If any man has not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So here we have the sanctified life, sanctification of life, walking with the Lord. And even though we live in these bodies that get weak and tired and sickly and the old man and woman who pops their head up and we must crucify him afresh, her afresh, even though we have these, we feel the Lord every day yet sovereign grace tells us to go on. Sanctified in Christ. And as Paul says, In verse 10, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. Now the body will die, should Christ tarry. We will all die, 100 out of 100 of us. But notice this. We now move to resurrection. Resurrection of the dead or of the body. Notice this, verse 10. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. First of all, we must notice here in verse 1, we are in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And now Christ is in us. So it's not just about us being positioned in Christ, but Christ living in us. And when we die at the resurrection, at the coming of Christ, he will raise our vile bodies. This mortal shall put on immortality. This corruptible shall put on incorruption. And in fact in Philippians 3 and verse 21 Paul tells us of Christ coming who shall change our vile body that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body. What a salvation. What a redemption is ours. Christian, why are you doubting? Why are you fearful? Why are you troubled? Why are you so weary? Or why are you not pressing on? Why are you not in love with him? Why are you not walking hard after him? Why are you not following him? Or if you're not serving him, surely he's worthy. Christ is in us and he will come and raise our bodies from the ground. Paul says in verse 12, I think I'm going to stop at this point because it'll take me too long to go through the others. I think time's racing on. Maybe do next week, maybe, unless I get something else from the Lord. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Do you remember, brother, maybe you came up through a Christian family, you were saved very young. Glory to God, that is a testimony how God has kept you from uh, this world's vices. But maybe your testimony is like mine. A life of sin. a life of trouble, good family, lovely parents, wonderful parents, but a life where it was hard, it was tough at times. Maybe, just maybe, you've come through a life like that with drugs, alcohol, whatever. I can tell you something, friend. I think of the years, the time, the money, the effort, I give to the devil. I give to this world system. I think of selling myself completely giving over to the lusts of this world and the things of it and the troubles of it and the even the violence of it and everything in it. I think of the the Shabbins, the paramulti shabins I sat in night after night. I think of the the mouth like a sewer pipe. The mind which went along with it. I think of the hours, all-nighters, that I spent in the presence of sinful men like myself and the money I gave. The money I gave for my own wills and wants and doings, the drink that I took and the clubs I was in, I think of that. And when I think of it, I think of the times of this body of flesh and death that I was in. And I think of the states that I was in and the times I should have died by the things that I had taken. Yet Christ has kept me alive because he knew me in eternity. And now, still in a rotten body. A rotten body that decays and dies. I went to walk for about five or six miles yesterday, and I came home with blisters on my feet because I was wearing a big pair of boots and wee thin socks. If they're not looked after, they would go the same way. And faction takes us. I think of how in this body we are to present ourselves a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service, Paul tells us. Romans twelve. Brothers and sisters, here we are debtors not to the flesh. We are debtors to Christ, and yet in His grace He exacts nothing from us. Verse 13 For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So if Christ is in you or be not in you, he says you're none of his. And now the ones who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. What does the Spirit of God lead us to do? First of all, the Spirit of God leads us to the cross. The Spirit of God leads us to repentance. The Spirit of God gives us the repentance unto life. And from henceforth leads us in sanctification until the resurrection of the dead. Until we are resurrected to be like him again. So I stop there with this. We still have the next verse would be the adoption of the sons of God and the glorification of Of the saints as well we have to look at. The revelation of the saints and the culmination of it all. And the culmination is from where we read last week. Verses 28 to verse 30. Brothers and sisters, when we look at the word of God and see these things. And we know these things. It's our heart. Not burned within us like the two on the road to Emmaus. While he talked with us, by the way. When I was refreshing myself the last couple of weeks, just musing on this chapter, it's refreshing my heart in it, thinking about it, I get up on, off my chair in my, in my office and I just went out for for a walk. I walked around the house. First of all, thank you, Lord. Oh, you're wonderful. And how I praise you. This afternoon, when we think of who he is and all he's done, let it rejoice our hearts that nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Why don't you go home? I know we'll have our, our dinner and we, well, maybe before dinner or after, whenever your time is you get your dinner, go somewhere in your own and just, just worship him. Thank him. Adore him. Praise him. Magnify and exalt him. Lift him up. Don't ask for a thing. Just say, Lord, you've given it all. And let your heart melt like water before him. And then come out again at six o'clock tonight. God bless you, all so In Jesus' name.